Nepal has a new government after the elections, not the government that was expected to come in, not the government that India would have preferred to come in, certainly the government the Chinese would have liked to see in power. So all of that has happened. Yet, under all this, there is a very curious story. And curious story, actually one of these is not a surprise. The fact that two communist rivals have come together in a coalition, once again, they hate each other's guts. That is Pushp Kamal Dahal Prachanda, known by his nom de guerre, that is Prachanda, or his wartime name, Prachanda, and also K.P. Sharma Oli, that is Kharga Prasad Sharma Oli. You know what? There is a thing about revolutions. Revolutions unite. So revolutionaries unite when the fight is on. But victories in revolutions divide. So that's precisely what happened in Nepal as well. It's happened almost everywhere in the world, right? Then, then once a division takes place, usually if you go back to the example, say, of China, Soviet Union, etc., then one falls by the wayside and the other becomes dominant or some fall by the wayside and others become dominant. When victory in a revolution establishes a dictator, then things are a bit different. But when victory in a revolution leads to democracy, then, then it's not so easy for anybody to become the dominant power. And even if one is the dominant power, that one can be challenged. That is precisely what happened in Nepal. So Prachanda and K.P. Sharma Oli, they were both in the revolution against the palace rule. Once that was won, then ambitions came in because democracy gives everybody a chance. Since then, they've been feuding. So they set up different parties in the course of time. Oli's party is CPN, that is Communist Party of Nepal, Unified Marxist-Leninist, UML. On the other hand, Prachanda's party is Communist Party of Nepal, Maoist Center. So both swear in the name of Mao. It also so happens, they fight each other in elections, they say the most unkind things about each other. Then very often they join hands, they bury the hatchet usually in someone else's back. Then soon enough, after they formed a government together, they also bury the hatchet in each other's back. So that game has gone on. One more phase in that game has come in now. So what's happened in this case is that Oli and Prachanda have come together. They've come together again in a two and a half year, two and a half year arrangement, which means you become, one will become prime minister for the first two and a half years. The other will then take over. That we have seen in the subcontinent doesn't always work. We have many examples of that happening in India. It really doesn't work because in this business of pele aap, pele aap, it's not pele aap, pele aap. It's pele mein, pele mein, pele mein, pele mein, aur aapka baad mein dekha jayega. And when the two and a half years come, then either you try to find a way around it. We've seen this happen in Israel also. Either the incumbent tries to find a way around it to extend his term as K.P. Sharma Oli did in Nepal the last time also in 2020, or you try and find a way of holding a fresh election and not handing over to the other guy. Because you know what? As a very prominent politician in Pakistan once told me, right? So once you sit in the chair, it grabs you. It doesn't let you go. So once again, they made the same arrangement. Now this arrangement is very strange in many ways. First of all, let me tell you the larger politics of it from India's point of view. The horse India was backing was the incumbent Prime Minister, Sher Bahadur Duba. Sher Bahadur Duba with his Nepal Congress. Now, Nepal Congress traditionally 
has been the party of conventional politicians, very inspired by Indian socialists, very inspired by Congress party in India, very inspired by that kind of politics. And many of them have had in the past strong personal connections. They've come to have come for education to India. So a lot of Indian politicians have also had leverage with them at a personal level. So the leader of the Nepali Congress, who was also the incumbent prime minister, he was India's candidate in a way. He was the horse India was backing. Prachanda was in a partnership with him. Together, they got quite a few seats. In fact, if you look at the seats breakup in Nepalese parliament, it has a strength of 275. So 138 is the majority mark. So Nepali Congress, number one, led by Sher Bahadur Duba. As I said, the horse India was backing 89 seats. So 89 seats leaves it short of majority by 47. So it might have expected that maybe its partner Prachanda will win 47 seats. Prachanda did not win 47 seats, but Prachanda won 32 seats, right? So together, 32 and 89 is 121. You still needed 15, 16 seats. It had some other partners also. So they, so they could have formed a government. Sher Bahadur Duba plus Prachanda plus their other partners could have formed a government. But it's at that point, Prachanda said, listen, I might have got 32, you got 89, but you know what? Without my 32, you can't get to that 136. So I've got leverage, so I will carry out what? Our favorite expression in politics, a leveraged buyout, which means I will now leverage my 32 and the value of those 32. And I will ask you to share power with me two and a half years, two and a half years, which also Duba may have agreed for. But he said, Pele Mein. So the Pele Mein business came in the way and Duba then said, I will not do it. And once again, of everybody two times, everybody in Nepalese politics, as in politics in many other, pl other places. I will give you some ex examples from India just now, which are quite recent and you know them very well. And I'm sure since you're so smart, you must have already guessed. I will come to that. But the fact is that at the same time, Duba was also trying to play a game with Oli, saying, look, I've got 89, you've got 72. Oli had the second largest number of seats. I've got 89, you got 72. Together we have a very comfortable majority. So half and half, pele mein, phir aap, right? So Uli would have then thought that, look, if I have to share this half and half and give this guy the first shot, by the time my turn comes in, maybe too late. This guy already has a lot of numbers. He's quite powerful. He can get other parties. He can get Prachanda to join him tomorrow, even if he dumps Prachanda now. So I am happier going with the weaker partner. So Prachanda only has 32 seats. I'll go with the weaker partner because he will have a very small number of seats. I'll be able to get more from him for other key positions by way of deputy prime ministers. Now Nepal is going to have three deputy prime ministers. Prachanda will have one, Oli will have one, and one has gone to another coalition partner. That, that is a new phenomenon in Nepalese politics that I will talk about in a couple of minutes. So Oli then thought, that if I have to go into partnership, a weaker partner who depends on me is much better than a stronger partner who I depend on. So with Prachanda, he can do a lot more backseat driving than he could have done, say, with Duba. Also with Duba, the India factor would have come in. Duba seemed to be friendly with India and India seemed to be friendly with Duba. And Oli has done very little to make himself popular with India. Remember when he was Prime Minister the last time, he said the most hostile things, not just about India, but also about India's national emblem. There were questions about where 
Hindu gods and goddesses were born, what were the holiest places. And also he, he did that most ridiculous thing of changing Nepal's maps and claiming large parts of Indian territory into Nepal and also getting constitutional approval for that. Because you know what, any such thing passes unanimously in our parliaments. Because who's going to stand up in a parliament and say, no, 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 that is not my territory. That is another country's territory. So he had done all that and he knew that if he joined a government with Duba, then India will do whatever it can to get him out of the equation in the course of time. So in this case, he gets a government in which he's got huge amount of power. He's got the largest number of seats, 79, compared to Prachanda's 32. Together, they've got another four parties to join in. Now, look at the seat breakup in Nepalese parliament. Nepalese election, as we have told you earlier, in fact, I'm sharing with the links of the two earlier Kattaklatra episodes we've done on Nepal politics. We had one on Nepal's boundary claims also, but that's not relevant right now. But the two we have done, 645 and 789. Those links I'm sharing with you. In 649, we had counted for you how Nepal, in 58 years of history, had already had 49 prime ministers, 49, 49. In 789, when, then we again counted how Nepal now had its 50th prime minister, right? Today, Nepal has elected its 51st prime minister in about 62 years. So that's the kind of instability the country has had. Although, mind you, it requires a qualification. Nepal had real democracy only for the past, say, about 15, 16 years, about 14, 15 years since the palace left power, the royalty was thrown out. Until then, prime ministers were appointed and fired by the Maharaja himself. So that was a different phase. But the fact is that even among the current lot, prime ministerships have been very, very unstable. Oli, Prachanda, they've all been prime ministers multiple times. In fact, Prachanda's earlier three terms did not last more than nine months. So the same people keep on playing musical chairs. It's, it's in this process that other parties have also emerged. So a very interesting party to emerge in Nepal is Rashtriya Swatantra Party or RSP. This, is, this party is so new that it was registered only in July this year, just a few months back. That party has won 20 seats. 20 seats is a lot in Nepal. It's enough to give leverage to its founder and its leader to get not just one of the three deputy prime ministerships. He's going to be a deputy prime minister. He will also be the spokesman of this government. And likely, in fact, from whatever I'm reading from Nepal and also what my colleague Jyoti Malhotra who knows the neighborhood very well, our consulting editor. I'm also sharing with you a link of her column this week's Global Print, where she talks about Nepal. She tells me that it's likely that this leader, Rabi Lamichane, will also or might also get the Home Ministry, which is very powerful. Now, who's Rabi Lamichane and what's his party, Rashtriya Swatantra Party? And why did we say this is a very interesting development in Nepal? Because Rabi Lamichane was a TV anchor, very popular TV anchor. And his party, again, is an ideology-free party. So exactly like Amadmi Party, it's got 20 seats. 20 is a lot of seats in Nepal. I told you how much leverage he gets with 20 seats. And he is now the rising power in Nepal. This is the party that a lot of young people have voted for. Then there is the Rashtriya Prajatantra Party, which has also joined the new coalition. Rashtriya Prajatantra Party is actually a royalist party. They want some kind of return to old 
royalty or some kind of return to the old palace situation because they think that will keep Nepal together, etc., etc. This also is the support among other people of actor Manisha Koirala, who was a big star in Indian cinema, but also is from a distinguished political family in Nepal. This party has got 14 seats. Now, the party right now is led by Kamal Thapa and Shamsher Rana. But importantly, the party was founded by Lal Bahadur Chan and Surya Bahadur Thapa. Both had been prime ministers multiple times in the times of the palace. So they are both royalists. They were both palace appointees in the past. In fact, I have gone to Nepal a couple of times, in fact, more than a couple of times, to do stories on these prime ministerial changes featuring these people. So they set up this party. They've also got 14 seats and they are also part of this government. Then, then there is the Janata Samajwadi Party, also called People's Socialist Party or PSP, which has 12 seats. That is led by European Yadav and Mahanta Thakur. And it seems to me that this is more a party of the Madhesis. That is people who live in the Tarai region bordering India, which is, which is fundamentally Hindi speaking and which is the region over which there were some issues in 2016 and India carried out that very unfortunate blockade of Nepal. They got the people of Nepal very angry. Now, just a couple of minutes back, I mentioned to you that some of this stuff happens in Indian politics as well. And there are some very recent examples. So did you guess what am I talking about? Think about the last Maharashtra election. Shiv Sena and BJP went to the polls together. Together, they got a comfortable majority. But Shiv Sena wanted the chief ministership. BJP said, why should we give it to you? We have more seats than you. Plus, it was never the deal. Shiv Sena said, no, but you promised to give me the chief ministership, whether they promised or not. But the fact is that Shiv Sena then decided to go with the parties against whom it contested in that election in partnership with the BJP. So it went out and shook hands with the Congress and NCP, their, his, its arts rivals, and set up an unlikely government together, right? It did not last a very long time. But the fact is that almost for half the term of that government, they kept the BJP out of power. Exactly the same thing has happened now with Prachanda contesting elections as a junior partner with Sher Bahadur Duba and then walking out and joining the other side just for the sake of prime ministership. That was for chief ministership. This is for prime ministership. The other example, somebody who's an expert at this is Nitish Kumar. Because often enough, he's joined hands with one party, contested elections with one party, gone to the other party. His latest, you know, uh, he was with the BJP and now he's come to RJD, Congress, etc., etc. So these things happen in politics. Important thing is, this is also happening in deeply ideological left politics, which for a long time was very, very violent politics. In fact, if you read up about Oli, Oli was a Naxalite Naxalite in early 70s, in the heyday of Naxalism. He had killed a rich farmer. He was caught, he was tried, he was convicted and given a life sentence, of which he served 14 years in prison. Then he got a royal pardon and came out. So all these people have been active, communist, violent revolutionaries. Now we had said in the very beginning that this is not the arrangement India would have wanted, right? But is it now a loss, loss, loss situation for India? Not quite. Because in Nepal, in Nepalese politics, nobody, nobody is ideologically committed to, committed to any side. Every side is doing it for power. And they all know that while the Chinese may be a bigger power internationally, 
and the Chinese can bring in some largesse. They also have ideological attachment to China. The fact is that this arrangement came into being as some Chinese media took notice of, all media in China is official Chinese media, as some Chinese media took notice of on the birth anniversary of Mao Zedong. So two Maoist parties who had become arch enemies of each other united for prime ministership or power in the country on Mao's birthday. Now, I know if you, were, if you were a true Maoist, you could celebrate this in China. At the same time, I think if you see these compromises being made for the sake of democratically elected power, this is also a great irony on Mao's birth anniversary. Nevertheless, all these people, including Oli, has been willing to reach out to India or if India had an outreach to him. So nobody is sold to the Chinese permanently. Everybody is looking at all these actions in terms of what impact it has in Nepal. And can it get them more power or can it lose them power? That's what matters. So if you see editorial comments in Nepali newspapers, I read a quote for you. It says, Prachanda has gained notoriety for molding, molding his ideology to suit, suit his aspirations for power. But that's what everybody has done in Nepal. So India will have a game to play also. Because remember, prime ministers come and go in Nepal, we told you. 51 in 60 years, 51st in 60 years. The fa fact is that Sher Bahadur Duba himself has been prime minister how many times? Five times, right? So these things keep changing. Once again, you are not quite sure what will happen. Two and a half years from now, now forget two and a half years. The new prime minister has to seek his vote of confidence within a month, within 30 days. Let us see what happens by then because everybody will be playing. This is an alliance. This is a coalition of people in parties which have wide disagreements among themselves, ideological as well as personal. How coherent is it going to be for two and a half years, five years? All bets are off. In fact, at this point, we don't even know how coherent it is going to be in the next 30 days until Prachanda wins his vote of confidence.